good to be in church this morning, and it's, uh, I tell you, I'm not trying to call Donnie out, but I, I appreciate when a deacon gets up to pray, and he's being evangelistic, and <laughs> telling us that, hey, you know, you need to follow Christ, you need to follow Christ, and uh, I tell you, I, I just, I love being the pastor of this church, it's such a blessing to me, I was telling a member last night uh, that I, I just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me that I get to be the pastor of this church sometimes. Uh, y'all y'all have no clue. <laughs> I, I don't think you could ever have any clue of how awesome it is for me uh, to be here. Um, I mean, just, it, it, it's, it's, it, I'm so undeserving. There are far better looking, uh, far better um, preachers uh, that can remember better, that can do you, do better and serve you better. And um, the fact that I get to do this is, is just so humbling to me. And I thank each and every one of you for your your kindness and your patience, and uh, I'm ready to preach this morning. So uh, Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to be. And uh, hey, today, uh, today I, I want to go ahead and give you a disclaimer before we get too far. Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 is where we begin, and uh, I want to give you a disclaimer before I get too far in. Today is going to be a tough sermon. Today's gonna be, you're like, Jeremy, what's new? what's new? No, but no, really, I mean, today is going to be hard. Um, and uh, you'll see why in just a few moments. But Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse number 21, and we're going to read uh, quite a bit of Scripture all the way down to verse 35. Uh, so Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 21, all the way down through 35. And I'd ask all who are willing and able to stand out of honor and respect for God's Word as we read it. Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 21, all the way through 35. This is God's Word. Amen. When this word is read, God speaks. Amen? So let's read it. Matthew 18, beginning with verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that the payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. The master of the servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and he took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and he threw him into the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. And he came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should not also have you had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you from his heart does not he, he does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So uh, thank you, and you may be seated, and may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. What a what a terrible story. Amen. I mean, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> um, that's horrible, and maybe now you see why the sermon's going to be tough today. 
Um, I've titled my sermon this morning for you note takers. I would encourage you to take notes. Um, I've entitled it Forgiveness with a question mark. Forgiveness. It's, got a, it's not a period, not, a, not an exclamation point. Forgiveness with a question mark. Because uh, what is, you know, if I put a suggestion box in the back of the church, and I will never do that, by the way, um, but if I did put a suggestion box at the back of the church, and I said, give me five topics you want me to preach on, I really think I, I could be wrong. I've been wrong a couple times in my life, and I probably wrong, I'll be wrong again. But I bet you nobody probably wants to hear this sermon about forgiveness. Nobody wants to. You say, oh, no, Jeremy, I'm so forgiving, and I'm a forgiving. Yeah, I know, but, but you don't want to hear what I'm about to tell you. Because I'm going to tell you something. This thing right here is a sword straight in my heart. Um, you say, Jeremy, that's dumb. Let me tell you. Uh, you, you, my first time I ever spoke here, uh, back in the summer when I filled in on a Sunday night, uh, little did we know that night that we'd be here today. Um, but uh, I, I, I preached, and, and if you remember, remember my sermon that night, I, I talked about my father. My father has, uh, as many of you know, um, you know he, he's had an affair and having an affair on my mother, but, um, and, and he left us, and you know, I know a lot of you went through that, and I'm not elevating my troubles above yours, I'm not, but, uh, but you know, I was going through that, I'm still going through that, and um, my father and my, they've got a divorce now, and, and you know, my mom's, I think she's getting better, my, my family, we're, we're trying to heal, and I was driving down the highway, I hadn't even told Hannah this, I was driving down the highway, I believe it was Monday morning, or, or, or Tuesday morning this week, knowing that I needed to preach on forgiveness, and I, I made a decision. I, I, I got my phone out, not driving down the road, by the way, I got my phone out, and I text, I opened my text message box to my dad, and I sent him a text, I said, I want you to know that I've decided to forgive you. And I want to tell you something. Forgiveness is a decision. It's a decision. It's a decision we make. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know the reaction I'd get from my father. Um, but basically what I got was, well, I'm glad you decided to forgive me. That, you know, that's, that's it. And you say, well, Jeremy, I know, I know what's coming. I hear it. I hear it already. Well, Jeremy, he's still doing it, right? Yes. In fact, while we're, it's just us talking, uh, I left here Friday night to go to a banquet with, with a buddy of mine, a, a good buddy of mine from my last church, one of the youth that I'm discipling. And even though I'm not serving there, I, I still love him. And uh, he's still a brother. And he's, he's going to Bible college. And, and uh, he's called to ministry. He wants to be a chaplain in the military. So, so I'm still discipling him. I mean, you know, he's my buddy. And he came to my house and hung out with my wife and my kids for a little while. And then we went to a banquet Friday night. And the route that I had to take to get to the banquet drove right past my father's mistress's house. And guess who was there? You know? But you know what? Just because I forgive him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you know when Friday comes and you see that, what did Jesus say? Let's read it again. How often, verse 21, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, but up to 70 times seven. I want to tell you this morning, 70 times 7. What does that mean? How many is that? I mean, does that mean that, that we're to stand here and count? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 107, 108, 290, 290. Is, is that what Jesus meant? Because if you're good with math, I'm not. I had to do this on my calculator. I confess. 70 times 7. 
Who knows what that is? Nobody. 490. So does that mean when we get to 491, we stop? Is that what Jesus meant? No. Let me tell you today. Never, listen, never are we more like God than when we forgive. Did you know that? We could never be more like God than when we forgive. And you're like, oh, that's great because I love to forgive. I want to tell you something else. Never are you less like God than when you don't. You know what the word Christian means? That means little Christ, Christ Christ-like, to be Christ-like. And if we want to be Christ-like, if we want to be God-like, if we want to be one of these people that, 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 that seeks after what God wants for us, then we have to forgive. We can never be any more merciful. We can never be any more graceful. We can never be any more like God than when we forgive. Do you realize something? That, that when we forgive, that's like God. And we want to be like God, don't we? I mean, who doesn't want to be like God? Who doesn't want to be merciful? Who doesn't want to be graceful? Who doesn't want to be like this? Forgiveness is critical in every part of life. I'm going to say something that's going to shake the window here in a second. I know it. I've got a knot in my stomach thinking about it, but I've got to say it. If a church is divided, or if a church has problems, if a church has issues, if there's problems with the church, you know what it is? Unforgiveness every time. Every single solitary time. I'm on, I'm on, here, here, comes the, here comes the window kicking. That was just warming up. If a marriage has problems... If a family member has problems, if a relationship has problems, it's unforgiveness. You say, Jeremy, you don't know my problems. Give me a break. I'm a person like you. You think I'm up on some little stool and I'm just perfect because I have Rev in front of my name? Erase it. I have problems just like you. I have issues just like you. And if I have problems with forgiveness, my life will be a mess, and your life will be a mess if we have problems with forgiveness. Forgiveness is critical. I read about a church out in California, you know, that godless land in California that we always talk about, growing and busting at the seams. And do you know what the pastor says the key to their growth is? Forgiveness. He says, at this church, we forgive. Marriage, if you see a pretty marriage, if you see a beautiful marriage, if you see a wonderful marriage, if you see a lifelong great marriage, you know what the key is? Forgiveness. Oh, let me tell you. If you think, I think most of us are married here, but if you're thinking about getting married, if you're just, if it's like one day it's a goal to get married, you better learn how to forgive. If you're within the sound of my voice this morning and you want to be a pastor, Woo! Let's go sit in my office and let's talk about forgiveness. If you can't forgive, hang it up. You can't be a pastor. If you can't forgive, hang it up. You can't be a husband, a father, a son, a brother, a sister, a mother, a grandmother, an aunt, an uncle. You cannot function in this life if you cannot forgive. You will never, ever make it. Ooh, it's getting quiet. That was my introduction. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Uh, the first thing I want you to see, this question of forgiveness uh, in verse 21. You know, Peter, I like Peter. Peter is one of those guys that will ask it. Hey, he will add open mouth, insert foot. He will, he will ask it. He says, 
God, how often, Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive him? And here's something you have always missed. I love you. Maybe some of you got this, but a lot of us miss this. He said up to seven times. Now, you say, well, Jeremy, why seven? Jewish tradition, if you read, was to forgive three times. Three times. Once, twice, third. Fourth, you strike out. You're done. And so Peter, he looks at Jesus and he's like, I'm going to be an overachiever. I'm going to be really graceful. I'm going to be really merciful. Peter was so arrogant because when he asked this question, when he asked it just the way he asked it, seven times, like he's expecting Jesus to come over there and just pat him on the back like, yeah, man, you got it. Double what you were taught. Double what's available. He says, he says oh, Jesus, I'm going to look good in front of everyone else. I'm going to ask this question. How many times have you asked the question? Have you amended your answer in such a way to impress those that hear you ask it? And that's exactly what Peter does. But he, he asked this question up to seven times. I mean, golly, God, if I forgive seven times, I'm something because I'm only supposed to do three. The Old Testament taught this. I want to tell you, Jesus blows his mind. And I'm about to blow your mind. Peter's question tells us a lot. This came from how he was raised. Really, Peter's bragging a bit. <laughs> you know, he's, 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 you know, doing a good thing. But then you see this answer in verse 22. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. 490 times. Just a curiosity. Raise your hand if this was you, okay? And don't be smart. I mean, for real, tell me the truth. How many of you in here today can raise your hand and say, I have counted to 490 in my life? Okay. One person? Okay, one person. That's, that's all. She's being honest. I believe her. Most of us. I'm just being honest. You know, most of us, we haven't. You know, I mean, we don't. We don't. Most of us don't count. You know, most of us, most of us, most of us, if we have, you know, it's unusual. But some of us have. Jesus' entire point was that you keep on forgiving. Jesus' entire point was that you never stop forgiving. And listen, you can never forgive enough. I want to tell you. You, if you've got an attitude that I'm going to forgive just enough, kind of like, like Peter, I'm going to forgive seven, seven times, God. That's, that's enough, right? We can never forgive enough. You can never stop forgiving. And if you make up your mind, if you sit there, cross your arms, dig your heels in and say, I'm going to forgive just enough to get by, your life will never be blessed, I believe, with the grace and the mercy that Jesus wants to give us in this life. Guys, listen to me. Hear me out. Every day, listen. Every day, no matter the amount of transgressions or offenses, offenses, you forgive time after time. Where's my wife? She moved. I couldn't find her. Me and my wife, we, if we've had ten arguments, nine of them were about forgiveness. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I, I want to be your pastor. I want you to know that I'm, I'm like you. And uh, this deal with my dad, we have fought and fought and fought, you know. And I'm just a forgiving person. I've always been. I've always been forgiving. Uh, before I was even a believer in Christ, I was a forgiver. It's easy for some of us. It's hard for others. But I want to tell you, Jesus makes it clear in verse 22, 70 times 7. I, so you see the question of forgiveness. You see the answer of forgiveness. I want you to see something else. I want you to see the example of forgiveness. So Jesus tells on this story. You know, Jesus starts unpacking this story. Jesus was a master teacher. Jesus was brilliant because what he would do was he would break it down as they can understand it. 
So he, so he tells this story, right? And he says in verse number uh, 23, he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his service, uh, excuse me, servant. And when he had begun to settle his accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So the first thing we see is in this example is that there was a servant here, and he was a debtor. He owed 10,000 talents, we read. Now, what is a talent? Anybody ever, you ever study that? Anybody? You blurt it out. That's fine. It's a million. A million. Well, sort of. Let me, let me get a talent. Was this when he says when he says ten thousand talents? I want to give you this little nugget. Maybe you've heard this before. This is kind of what, what I think Larry's talking about. Ten thousand is the highest word that can go. The highest Greek word that can go with a number. You with me? You can't go any higher than ten thousand. So when Jesus said this word ten thousand, actually he probably didn't even say a number. What he probably said was the Greek word myriad. You know what myriad means? Myriad means a bunch. That would be like a zillion. Jesus looks at these men and Jesus says, this servant owed the master a zillion dollars. Can we pay a zillion dollars? Who has a zillion dollars? Who could, who could gather enough? Who, who could work enough? Who could do enough? Who could make it? That's Jesus' entire point. In fact, let me blow your doors off. The entire revenue, is, it's debated, but the entire revenue for this, this area for a year now, a year, I'm talking about all of it, all the money, okay? I talk about one person, would have been 600, 800 talents a year. But for everyone, he said 10,000. Can I tell you, I want to give you a Jeremy, just an insight, he couldn't pay it. There was no way he could pay Never could he pay what he was owed. In fact, again, this is probably in the, in the original language. It wasn't even a number. He owed zillions. His debt. He was a debtor. He could not pay. But then we see in verse number 25 that his debt was partially settled. Here's the good news, right? Verse 25, it makes us feel so good. Verse 25, he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that the payment be made. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me for I will pay you all. And there's two things you need to see here. There's two things, two big things. Please don't miss these things. Okay? You... All of you and me, we're verse 24. Excuse me, verse 25. We would have been sold. Now, now here's the deal. Just think, just think with me. Don't miss this. This is huge. In fact, I need probably to break this sermon in half and preach half the night because I could never spend enough time. This, this king, when he demanded that he be sold, was doing this so that he could just get pennies of his dollar back. Remember, I just told you, there's no way he could pay it. Remember that? So when the king says, just sell him, sell his wife, sell his children, and, and take all his possessions, kind of like the government would seize everything you have just to get what you owe the IRS, right? And, and you would never be, you'd never be level, you know? You would just be partially level. And so we see that, that he, he's going to be sold. He's going he's gonna to be brought, all this is going to be brought back to the king, and the king's just going to get part of his money back. And then in verse 25, remember, we just said he can't pay it. Verse 25, when he was not able to pay, he said to be sold. Verse 26, he fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. What? 
excuse me? Am I missing something? Verse 26, that is the biggest load of baloney I've ever heard in my life. He could never pay this debt. Can I tell you something? You're the same way. I'm the same way. We're verse 26. We come before God. We say, oh, just forgive us this one time. Oh, just have just, just let me work. Let me do. Let me do all these tasks. Let me perform these things. Let me do my religion. Let me do all these things. And let me work my way to pay my debt that I owe you, God. Let me, God. Just let me. Just let me do a little. How arrogant that we could look at God and say, just let me work for it. Why do we think we could do enough? It's unpayable. Verse 26, have patience with me and I will pay you all. That's a bold-faced lie. He wasn't, he wasn't concerned that he owed. He was concerned that he got caught. See, that's where we and you are. We ain't talking to God all the time about paying him. Boy, we're writing checks, though. I mean, we're writing checks, and we're swiping that card, and we're building up this debt to God. And one day, you're going to stand before him at some point, and you're going to have to account for all that you've done. And we don't, up until that point, we don't give a hoot. But when we meet Jesus, we start saying, hey, 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 I'll fix it, God. Just, just give me one more chance. Just give me one more day. Just give me one more. Just, 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 give, me, just give me a little bit. We never have any intentions of changing. Something that preachers never preach on, and it's not really in the Bible that much, but you know, you know, what'd he do to owe this much? You ever think about that? What have we done that we owe so much? The debt was partially paid, and then we see in verses 27 that the debt, debt was completely paid, and this is where it gets good. The master of the servant was moved. Woo-wee! Moved. With compassion. And what? Released him and forgave him the debt. Now that will preach. Let me tell you what happened. He says, sell me and you'll get some of it. Better yet, just let me go and I'll pay you all of it. And the father, he looks down his nose. The master, God, this is what this is about. This is the imaginary story that Jesus made up to explain us about God. The, 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 the story is this. God looks down at us. He sees us. He sees our filth. He sees our garbage. He sees our trash. He sees our debt. He sees us how we are. He looks at us. And the only thing he could do, the only hope we have, the only thing we should cling to is his compassion and his mercy and his grace. Because if we're counting on anything else, if we're counting on what we can do, or, or if we're counting on our works, if we're counting on those things, we will never make it. But if we count, if we rest, if we plead, if we beg, if we count on Jesus' compassion, if we, pay, if we count on the God of the universe forgiving us and letting it go, then, then our debt will be settled. That's the only play you got. That's the only hand you can throw down. Jesus. You think you can do it? Let's go outside. Let me and you have a talk. And let me kick you around a little bit and snap you out of what you're thinking. You're wrong. You're wrong. Your best day stinks 
in the nostrils of God. That's what the Bible says. Filthy rags. Google it. Nasty. You disgust God on your best day. You're probably in church on that day and you disgust God. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Your best day is probably church. And it's disgusting. It stinks. But the Father, the King, has compassion. Then I want you to see, you're like, all right, go home. Amen. Trust Jesus. No. Oh, no. I wish that was the end. Oh, man. I wish it was over. I wish I didn't have to preach the rest of it. But I do. Not only do we see the servant was a debtor, and he owed a debt, he, it couldn't be paid, he, he paid it partially, and then he, the master forgave it completely, but then we see the servant become a creditor. Now, here's where, here's where the rubber meets the road, all right? This is where, this is right down, as Pastor Todd Morris used to say, this is putting the hay down there where the mule can get to it, all right? This is down on the ground. I mean, we're down like four flat tires right now, okay? We're getting down to the nitty-gritty. Listen to what he says in verse number 28. But that servant went out. He just got forgiven now. He goes out and he finds one of his servants who owed him some money. Laid hands on him. Grabbed him by the throat. I'm talking about he grabbed the joker by the throat. I mean, he, he picks him up. He shakes that fool. He looks at him and he says, give me my money. It's kind of like, like that J.G. Wentworth commercial. Y'all seen that? You know, and he walks in the bank and says, my money, and I want it now. Y'all seen those? And the, the lady's on the top story, and she, it's my money, and I want it now. And then, and then you know, there's a guy riding a bicycle. It's my money, and I want it now. I mean, that, that's how he, he's like, hey, I want my money back. Give me my money. Where's my money? I'm going to choke you, you nut. Give me my money, verse 28. Pay me. It's payday today. And then verse 29 and 30. His fellow servant. He's like, all right, dude. Chill out. I'll pay you. See, the first guy, he couldn't pay what he owed. This guy could have paid it. It was a small amount. He could have done it. It was in reason. I mean, he, he could have expected him to pay. So, so he's like, hey, you know, I'll pay you. Calm down, dude, verse 29. But he, he begs him and he says, just give me some time. He says, give me some time and I will pay you all. Verse 30. He forgets the thing that he just asked for. Verse 30. He would not. And he threw him into prison. He threw him into prison. And listen. It says he threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. Verse 30. He denies the very thing he asked for. But then in verse 31, we see here's the problem with forgiveness. Here's, here's the sermon right here. It says that he became a prisoner. Verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved. And they came and told their master all that he had done. <laughs> then his master, after he called him, he said to him, You wicked servant. Wicked. Guys, this is wicked. You're wicked if you don't forgive, the Bible says. Jesus said, You're a wicked sack of garbage if you don't forgive. Jesus, not Jeremy. Don't you get mad at me. Don't you cut your eyes at me. Listen, Jesus said, you're, He said, You're wicked. And then, then, then he says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all because you begged me. Then verse 33, should you have not also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? 
he blew it. His master was angry. Verse 34. He delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that he was due to him. Can somebody tell me how long that is? Forever. He never would get out because he could not make it. He could not make it. So he throws him in there. This guy put himself in prison. What he put him in? How did he get put in prison? Who did it? Whose fault was it? It's his own fault. You see, God took an eraser. If you, you know, I know kids that are in school now, uh, like before I was in school, way back in the dark ages, my mom and daddy were in school, there was a chalkboard. All right? When I went to school, we had a dry erase board, right? You know, had an expo marker. And I think now they've got like digital boards. You just like, you just like think it and it pops up on the board, okay? I mean, there's like, there, 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 the technology has changed, but I'm going to use dry erase because I'm 26 and I remember dry erase boards. I actually remember being in my elementary school and the chalkboard being there and the maintenance guys coming in and putting the dry erase board on top of the chalkboard. I mean, I was there. I remembered like the changing of the guard. And now that they tore it all down and put like a digital board, you can walk up there and like just, you know, do all kind of stuff. I'm old. But anyway, hey, I remember the teacher, she'd take the dry erase board and if somebody had a detention, a detention ba- way back in the day when we had detentions. And, and, and I remember what they would do, you have Jeremy, because I always had detentions. Jeremy, he had, he had six detentions. And, and, you know, Chase, he had four. And what you did at recess, you stood on the hill, right? You stood on the hill. And they're down there just, oh, just, yeah, woo, awesome. And you're watching them on the hill with your hands behind your back. And you got back to class, and the teacher, she would take a dry erase marker or a eraser, and she would just knock one detention off. You're like, yeah. Down one. A few more days I can go back and play. And, and, and God, back in the other verses, up there in verses 28, 29, he, he, he wipes all of it away. He wipes all his detentions away. He wipes all his lies away. He wipes all his sins away. He wipes it all away. He, he forgives them of everything. This guy's been picked up, brushed off, dusted up. He's been fixed. Everything's good. He just goes now, and he gives other people what he's been given. It's just great. It's wonderful. It's hunky-dory. Everything smells good. It looks good. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's just la-la-la. Everything's great. And he leaves. He leaves. And he denies them. The very thing God just did for him. And so when he does this, he puts himself back where he started. Prison with a debt that he couldn't owe. See, the beauty of this story, church, and I'm I'm coming to a close. The beauty of this sermon is that, the beauty of this text is that he was free. He was so free. Can I tell you something? Woo, wait, let me preach. Listen, if you come down here or if you get on your knees or if you get right with God, you're free. I don't set you free. You don't set you free, but Jesus sets you free. I can help you. I can show you how. But but that's what's amazing. He sets us free. But then we we, we come up from that place that where it's the water or or whether it's the altar or whether it's a, a room holding on to somebody praying with them or if it's your mom or your daddy who led you to Christ, or, or if you just found Christ reading the, the, the Bible in the toilet, I mean, where, wherever, wherever you found Christ, and, and we leave that moment, and we leave that moment, and we have two choices, just like I told you at the beginning of the message. I ain't forgotten. I'm going back to that. We have a choice. Do we give what we've been given, or do we hold it? Do we hold it? 
always told, I've been a youth pastor for five years now. I'm a lead pastor, but I always told you, you're like a water king. And they get tired of hearing it, I know. I said, you're like a water king. God fills you up, right? And you're that water king. You go water other people with what he gives you. But if that water sits in that water can, and you don't pour it out, it starts stinking, then it evaporates, then it's gone, and we're dry, just like the sparrow. Forgiveness is not made to put in your wallet, put in your account, hide, bury. Forgiveness is not made to come in us and stop with us. Forgiveness is made to be passed. Forgiveness is is made to be given freely as God gave it to us. How can you profess Jesus? How can you follow God? How can you call yourself a Christian or a follower of Christ? How can you call yourself this and not give what he gave you? You know what? I'm closing. If my daddy dies today, he won't have to worry about his son, whether his son forgave him or not. If I die today, I won't have to face God as soon as I get there and say, you know, God look at me and say, you know what? You withheld from your father what I gave you. I won't have to worry about that. Listen, can I brag? Can I, not on me, on Jesus. Jesus has set me free. I don't owe anyone anything. Come kick me in the kneecap. I'll forgive you. Hey, get mad at me. Talk about me. I don't care. I'll forgive you. You can't do anything to me because I have set myself free because Jesus has set me free. I will not live in a prison of unforgiveness. I will not live with hatred in my heart. I will not live with bitterness in my heart. I will not be that person who crosses his arms, puts a frown on his face, and sits back and holds what God will give me. I will forgive. I will love. I will show mercy. I will be the one who passes what Jesus gave to me. If we refuse forgiveness, we only throw ourselves in prison we're the only ones Jesus stands at Calvary he stretched his arms out he said you're free you're free what you do with it is up to you I got three stages of forgiveness and I'm going to give the invitation the first stage is suffering have you suffered now listen I'm about to I'm about to just oh man if somebody doesn't speak to you when you walk by them in church, that's not suffering. If you don't get a Christmas card, ain't none of you getting Christmas cards from us because we're not sending Christmas cards. But if you don't get a Christmas card, if you don't get a Christmas card, you're not suffering. If somebody doesn't say, oh, good job, preacher, when I walk, when I, when y'all walk past me in a few minutes, I'm not suffering. Suffering is someone, uh, something major morally evil, something happening to you terrible. That's suffering. That's the first step. Second step, surgery. The forgiven. Suffering and surgery. You know what surgery is? It's when you take a knife and you cut something. You know, you take a knife, my little little knife here. It has a bottle opener on it. I didn't know when I bought it had a bottle opener on it, so I don't, I'm not a drunk. Don't look at my knife and think that I drink beer all the time. But you take that knife out and you 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 cut something. You, you bust it. And you and you fix what's you fix what's wrong. That's surgery. And then the last part of forgiveness, you start over. Can I tell you something about starting over though? Your women, I this is this is a point for the women. This is a point for all the women. You ready, women? Talking to you. I love you, women. Talking to you. Starting over doesn't mean we forget. Women, 
You're not going to forget, women. Believe me. You're not going to forget. We know. You're not going to forget. But you know, what it does, you know what it does mean? Every time you remember it, you choose to forget. That's starting over. You say, Jeremy, I can't forget. Don't. But when you remember it, choose to forget. I'm coming down to the front. <clears throat> closing it around. I preached long enough. And listen, I'm giving an invitation. Here's the invitation. You ready? Today, this church, there needs to be some forgiveness in this church. And if you say not me, you're probably you that don't need forgiveness. <laughs> listen, this church, there needs to be some forgiveness. There needs to be some forgiveness. Husbands, you need to forgive your wives. Wives, you need to forgive your husbands. Children, you need to forgive your parents. Parents, you need to forgive your children. Cousins, you need to forgive your cousins. Aunts, uncles, everybody. You need to forgive. You say, Jeremy, how much? Over and over and over again. And when you think you've done enough, do it one more time. And when you think you've done enough, do it one more time. I'm asking, here's the invitation today. If you're, if you're lost today, our deacons, Chairman Deacons already preached the gospel through, through, through his prayer today. You need, to, you need to make preparation if you're lost. You need to make preparation. But if you're saved, I ask you today, if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, I want you to come today and ask God to set you free from the prison that you put yourself in. Set yourself free. Forgive. It's the best feeling in the world to forgive. Listen, if you forgive somebody and it ain't fun, you just going to slap me right in the face. I'm t- I, 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 I mean, just, hey. If you can forgive somebody and you don't love it and it doesn't feel good, you can, you can grab a hold of them. Just, oh, you can grab a hold of them. You might enjoy it. Hey, hey, forgive. It will make you so happy. You'll be like at the dentist when they give you laughing gas. You'll just be laughing all the time. You'll be so filled with joy. But do you know who else it will make happy? You. You know who you'll be showing? The world, Jesus. Amen. So I invite you today, if you're lost, come down here today. Let Jesus set you free. As the master, he set his, he set his servant free. He forgave all his debt. He forgave everything that he owed. If you're a believer in here today and, and you're holding forgiveness, I invite you today to, 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 to set yourself free, to set the other person free, to forgive freely. If you're uh, not a member of this church today and you want to join with our fellowship today, I invite you to come and we'll gladly accept you today. Whatever you need to do, listen to God this morning. Don't listen to anything else but God and let God work through you today in this service. I'd invite you to stand. Uh, Miss Gail's going to come. I thought she was already up there.